Hi there, and welcome to the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime, video games, and conventions, with a healthy amount of existential dread mixed in. You can find out more about our podcast by following us on Twitter, at T-I underscore anime. Or just like us on Facebook to not see our posts, because that's just how it is now. Thanks again for stopping by, and enjoy the show! Welcome to Third Impact Anime. I am your humble host, Bill, once again, and with me is Austin. Hey guys, how's how's it going? Also, Tobias. Yada yada does eh? <laughs> and a new challenger has entered the podcast arena. Coming in for the very first time is my very good friend Ryan. Hey hey. I'm glad you're here, Ryan. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while, so it's uh, finally good to, uh, you know, uh, start working at it. Well, definitely. So, today's main topic is we're going to be talking about the Legend of Galactic Heroes franchise. Groan. Cue <laughs> <laughs> epic orchestral music. Ryan, since you are a new person to the pod, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about yourself, how you got into anime, and uh, if, what you're watching or playing currently? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, like a lot of people, watch a lot of a uh, good amount of anime on uh, Toonami growing up. Cowboy Bebop, of course, uh, but never got super into it. It really wasn't until probably uh, my early 20s uh, when... I kind of got exposed uh, back to watching uh, Cowboy Bebop and then just went down this roll of dozens of different series over the years and found some really good ones, found some uh, real uh, real crap ones. But uh, <laughs> eventually um, found uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes a few years ago and was pretty surprised by it. So hoping to talk about that. Uh, so what I've been doing uh, lately... Haven't been watching too much anime besides uh, the reboot of the series, as well as uh, uh, Lupin the Third, uh, Part Five. Nice. Which has been fantastic, by the way. Um, Lupin steals everyone's bitcoins. <laughs> so fun. Uh, but beyond that, I've uh, been playing a little, bit, a few RPGs. Um, I got a used PS3 recently. Got uh, so playing through Persona Five. So that's been nice. great. Uh, and then also you to, uh, uh, check out the Persona 5 anime whenever you get wrapped up with the game. Yeah, I probably will. Uh, the Persona 4 one was decent. So I'll probably check that out. Um, and then uh, let's see. I've also been playing. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, but there's these uh, Trails in the Sky games. Hey, yeah. 
Yeah, so I've, I'm in the second one of that series, and uh, that's a lot of fun. Really good uh, classic JRPG kind of stuff. Um, really good world building, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, but beyond that, just, you know, the daily grind. Yep, yeah, yep. I've been wanting to get into those games here for a little bit, but, uh, you know, that time and my ever-growing Steam library just kind of cuts that out. Yeah, they're definitely time killers uh, in the classical JRPG sense. Each one is like 40 to 60 hours, so I've been playing them over the past couple of years. Before we kind of get into what Legend of the Galactic Heroes is about, um, Ryan, the only way I heard about the series was from you. So can you talk about how you discovered it? Yeah, uh, really just kind of discovered it just through the whole general osmosis of the community. Uh, if you really go to any kind of like um, anime, like the anime subreddit or a lot of other anime communities, there's always someone who's talking about it. And there comes a time when you're just like, why the hell not? Um, had a uh, free summer after uh, my junior year of college and figured I have all that free time, so why not sink it into it? Uh, watch the, uh, so if you're starting out Legend of Galactic Heroes, there's uh, two movies. Uh, the first movie, and it's really the best way to get into it, uh, but the first movie is going to be the uh, My Conquest is a Sea of Stars, which is kind of like a prelude to it. And then there's Overture to a New War, which is basically like the first three episodes of the anime put into a much better presentation. Ended up watching that, and I think uh, I showed a few of you guys that uh, after that. And then just went down the rabbit hole and watched it all in about a month. <laughs> wow, I, wow, I am... I'm impressed because uh, the original Legend of Galactic Heroes series is 110 episodes, I think. Uh, so it, it took me a while. Like uh, it took me about a year, year and a half to get through it, but it's um, it was worth it because <laughs> I remember I think the first thing of Heroes that I watched was the CMC in our Stars movie. Um, which is a really good introduction to the classic series. Um, now, for anyone who hasn't heard of Legend of Galactic Heroes, Legend of Galactic Heroes uh, is a grand space opera uh, that was an OVA series that ran during the Japanese economic boom period, during mostly during the, uh, the 80s, I think it started in 83. Three and then ran into like their early to mid nineties. So uh, uh, I, th 
you're thinking about the books. I think the uh, OVA started in about the mid 80s and it went to the late 90s, uh, 1988 to 1997. But the okay. books, I think, uh, came out uh, in the uh, early 80s. Mm, my mistake. <laughs> well, the main crux of Legend of the Gothikiras is it's about two uh, military commanders uh, on two different sides. Yang Wang of the uh, Free, Pla Free Planet Alliance and R Reinhard von Graham of the Empire, where it's their kind of their constant battle between each other because they are the two brilliant uh, genius commanders of their two sides. And it's also part military uh, grand strategy story, part um, kind of a, it's, I kind of feel sometimes it's like a philosophy uh, discussion of what is uh, government and how should it function and, <laughs> and there's there's a big uh, political philosophy in the background. Um, and it's not just about political philosophy, just not to scare off people. There's a lot of character building and motivations and all that. But I think that that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's a, the cast of Legend of Galactic Heroes is very vast, where um, pretty much every time a character is brought up, excluding our main two, uh, their name and their title and what faction they're on is stated. <laughs> I think it still holds a record for the uh, uh, highest amount of uh, dub actors in an anime, just over the sheer scale. Wow. That wouldn't surprise me, yeah. You mean like over like one continuous series? Yeah, over from the 110 episodes from 88 right. to 97. There's so many different extras and minor characters. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. And I think what makes, for me, Legend of the Galactic Heroes very distinguished is it's so different from any anime that's come before or after it. Um like, I think most people would compare heroes to, like, let's say Gundam, probably. Right. But the, but the difference, I would say, between Gundam and heroes is Gundam is very much focused on the fighter pilot's uh, perspective, where you're seeing uh, the pilot do the individual battles on the battlefield, uh, trying to weave in and be the grand hero, whereas in heroes it's more you're seeing these generals manage uh thousands and thousands of troops uh actually millions of troops uh <laughs> uh in these grand space battles it's very much like um how fighting was done during the napoleonic wars where everyone lines up and you just you'd fire <laughs> and it's the real battle is it's all about position and you're trying to get the upper hand on um what angle your ships are at and who has the uh, who has more resources at their hand it's kind of it, in comparison it reminds me of a grand strategy game yeah the show uh, really each of the battles is set up uh to where you can understand the terrain all these different factors that go go into it and really the scale of the battles can be pretty crazy. Like um, in some of the battles, people are talking like 
they just roll out casualties at the end. It's like six million dead on one side and oh another gosh. five million dead on another. And you have to keep in mind that in the backstory of this universe, this is a war that has been going on for over 150 years. Ugh. So, it, and that's actually something that's really played in the show as well, showing the lack of expertise because so many people have been killed and all that. And it goes pretty in depth into kind of the darker aspects of the of what war has on society. Yeah, I mean, 150 years, that's, that's over a generation of, of, of people that have known only war. Mm. And the thing I like about it is it's not glamorized um, where <laughs> you just see ships explode and sometimes they'll have of just people going into the vacuum of space. There's where... some gruesome scenes. I remember one scene about midway through the show where you see this guy basically trying to drag his entrails back to his body. So just Ooh. a pre-warning, there's some really graphic scenes. It's not all over the show, mm. but it definitely doesn't shy away from showing how gruesome things can be. Mm. Oh, wow. This is kind of a, uh, just like a very specific question, but um, are there, is there, any, is all of the combat done like with, with spaceships like in space or is there ever any like ground combat or anything like there is, ground combat. There is, and it plays out a little bit oddly in uh, the series. So you'll notice that they always use like these kind of axes, and there's very little like uh, shooting with guns and all that. And that's because it's explained like in the backstory in the thing that uh, they have like different fields, and if they use gun, if they shoot their guns in this area, that'll set off all these explosives and kill everyone. Uh, so it, it introduces this kind of like ground combat where it's extremely brutal, and they're using axes to chop off each other's arms and stuff. Dang. <laughs> wow. It's like, and it's like space berserk on land. <laughs> yeah, our, our like on landing ships, because you'll oftentimes they'll like ram each other's ships into each other and have boarding parties where they all just try to slaughter everyone inside. Man. Yeah. The, the ground combat can get pretty up close and pretty gruesome, uh, especially as the show progresses where there's more uh, ground combat. But I... I now that we've kind of explained kind of how the combat of the show works, I, I think we really should get more in depth with um, our main two characters, uh, Yang Wang and uh, Reinhardt. And what makes them interesting characters is they have completely different philosophies and um, personalities. Uh, for example, Yang Wang is a giant history nut and um, if he wasn't a soldier he'd probably be a historian where that gives him the upper edge in uh combat because he's he's read all these books uh that make him able to see um similar patterns that have been done through history's past but he's also very uh um what's the word he's not very gung-ho about being in the Terry, like if he could hire on the spot because <laughs> the only the only real reason why he's in the military is because he wants the military pension so that way he can just retire and have a nice life uh we're on the other side there's uh reinhardt who is one of the very many nobles of the galactic empire uh his sister at a in the this is early in the show 
becomes a uh, concubine for the emperor, and his entire goal is I want to climb the military ladder uh, to eventually become emperor to save my sister, and my goal is to pretty much uh, wipe out the noble class, and with my divine hand, I will make the universe a better place. But uh, He sounds like a character that is both Lelouch and Suzaku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's... That's pretty accurate. That kind of uh, self-entitlement and uh, mixture of skill and whatnot. Yeah, and like, he's got a sister, but he also wants to like, play by the rules and then eventually like, overthrow the rules so that he can be the new rules and all that. Yeah, and, yeah. There's, there's, and especially in the history of um, the uh, Galactic Empire, just to go a little bit into the backstory, um, basically around 300 years prior to where the show uh, takes place space hitler um overthrew what was called the galactic republic at the time uh this is a guy called um uh, rudolph palpatine uh, yeah pretty much i am the senate <laughs> and that's basically what he did and um so his name was rudolph von goldenbaum and he um he basically yeah he's space hitler he passed this whole act where he uh killed off billions of people and uh, something that uh, that you'll notice when you're watching it is that pretty much all of the people on the Galactic Empire side are all white Germanic males who have, uh, you know, Germanic surnames and whatnot. Whereas with the Free Planets Alliance, it's a mixture of different ethnicities. There's females and there's all sorts of different names and cultures. And that has to do a lot with the split when they broke off and fled the Galactic Empire around 200 years ago. And then when they discovered each other, they entered this endless war. So just a little bit of backstory that there's a lot of uh, thought into kind of like how someone can influence the galaxy. And that's why uh, really, uh, what's his name? Um, Reinhard really gets his influence from, you know, if he could do it, why could not? Yeah. And it, both of the, I think the, they have some similarities that most of the time they don't get along with um, the higher brass of their of their respected militaries um, uh, for di in different ways, and uh, they're very much um, not very personable to um, to the people around them. Like uh, Yan Wang is very kind of aloof about things where Reinhardt is very rigid and so it can be very cold uh, when interacting with people. The, yeah, like, um, like, I mean, clearly I've, I've barely seen any of this franchise, but from what you guys are describing, they both, they both seem kind of like very motivated by like their own self-interest and, uh, would would you say that that is reflected in their actions or are they more idealist later on is that like a character arc that they go through or what what's your take on that ideology is definitely the primary motivator for both especially throughout the show um the characters themselves have their own motivation but um both yang wenli in terms of his uh devotion towards a lot of like democracy and all that there's like parts I don't want to spoil it, but where mm -hmm. he has an opportunity to take power and he doesn't just because oh. he respects democracy so much. Oh, Whereas Reinhardt himself, 
he believes, you know, that I want to fix all these ills of society and I want to make things more equitable, but I also want to rule things. I don't want it to fall into the hands of these incompetent people who mm. are worse than me. Gotcha. Yang, where uh, Julian, who is a, is a, a younger, uh, let's see, younger child, but uh, lived with him. He's kind of like adopted son. Uh, kind of points out it's just like you're the smartest one here you could take charge why are you why are you just uh, staying within your lane because i want to respect democracy yes i know my superiors are not that smart and they're mostly doing their actions for their own self-glory but that's the way command works and i want to respect the process even though even if the process is corrupt yeah, there's a there's a high point in like uh, ethical discussions quite happen quite often. A lot of characters on the side will just break into different conversations as to the is this ethical or all these kind of things. So it's a it's definitely a show with a lot of thought to it. And how is like the um you talked about the main two characters, like how is the general like character writing in general in terms of like the cast? It's like do the characters feel just like vehicles for ideological discovery or do they feel like real genuine human beings? I would say most of them are real genuine characters, um, especially um, the characters that are close around Reinhardt and Young Wei. Um, uh, for example, uh, uh, Julian, for example, at first he just kind of takes care of Young Wang because Young Wang is so aloof that he he everything around him is very messy. But as the show progresses, Julian um, begins to roll within the military and begins to have an appreciation of history and uh, has to take on more responsibilities that at first he's kind of worried about and he has his own philosophy of uh, doing things. Mm -hmm. Or with um, Reinhardt, there's this uh, woman, uh, what, oh, I, I can never say her full name, Ryan, it's, it's uh, Fräulein Mariendorf? Oh, um, uh, Fräulein uh, Mariendorf. Mariendorf, who um, basically serves as his secretary slash his kind of... Um, confidant where she can be very observant with what's going on and she has her own views of what's ethically sound and what should be done compared to a general that works under Reinhard Oberstein who believes anything to win I will do. <laughs> I will spy on you. I will use dirty tricks that if we can use any method to win we'll do that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, backstory to really a good majority of the side characters, and that's really kind of uh, what makes the show uh, so special in that really even side characters who are just you think would be the advisor get a pretty good backstory so you understand their motivations, why are they in the military, what, do, what would they do in this kind of situation. So it's a lot of different characters. They're not just sock puppets for political philosophy, and there's also not really any kind of political philosophy in the show that's shown as superior you see both the sides of autocracy as well as the sides of democracy having both strengths and weaknesses. 
Cool. That sounds uh, really nuanced. Yeah, I, I think that's a, actually a, just the perfect word to describe the show is that for the most part, um, everything is very well written. There doesn't seem to be any kind of um, weird plot holes or stupid loose ends, except for one one part <laughs> uh, that I'm not a fan of. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's uh, a few parts that are a little bit... Uh, they stretch it or they don't really describe the faction or whatnot as well. Yeah. Um, I think one other faction that we need to talk about is Fazon, which is oh, yeah. this middle planet that's in the middle of the universe between the uh, section that is ruled by the empire and the ruled by the three planets. Basically what they are is they are an independent party that is, is basically a weapons manufacturer that sells weapons to both sides. So what they'll do is, let's say I gave the free planets this very high-end cannon that can be attached to all their uh, ships that can now uh, pierce their armor uh, very well. Uh, They will then go to the Empire and say, hey, we can either give you a much better cannon or we'll give you a shield that will protect you from the uh, weapon that we just sold. Wow, that's that kind of stuff never happens in either real life or fiction. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> <laughs> Not once. <laughs> uh, and what's it's Faison is kind of weird because they have their own machinations of how they want things to do, and so they'll try and maneuver um both the free planets and the empire to do certain things that they want to they want to happen uh for their own grand scheme Mm. and there's schemes within schemes within schemes if if you like game of thrones this is definitely a show that you'd like as well yeah that's what i've been thinking like reading about a lot of this you talked earlier about you know politics kind of possibly turning people off of watching it but i feel like game of thrones is really uh, enamored people on the different political machinations, you know, and these you know fantasy stories. I guess to go into the like what people like about this show as well, like it seems like, at least in my experience, all the people that re- that like like the show really really like it. I don't think I've ever come across someone who is just like a casual fan of Legend of the Galactic Heroes because I mean <laughs> it, it has such a barrier of entry with its sort of very. Uh, I guess dry presentation and for a long time it wasn't even available like legitimately until very recently Um, and it's also old and it's also like long Um, so it's a a roller coaster ride yeah for sure but like I said um, it seems that most of the people that have like like you and um, and Bill, like most of the people that have taken that plunge are just like oh my gosh this was one of my best life decisions (laughs) <laughs> yep anime is always the best life decision <laughs> it's good. yeah um i at first i i had a hard time getting into the show because like you said it's the original series can be somewhat dry but once you get into it it's a roller coaster where there's always a different there's always a different story going on and there's always different sides planning and scheming so if you're really into the game of thrones 
type of machinations of who's doing what kind of uh if you like Varys and Littlefinger from mm. uh from Game of Thrones then and they're kind of how they like to scheme then you will probably be really into Legend of Galactic Heroes best characters oh yeah and then uh <laughs> one thing I also wanted to add uh that I think kind of uh, goes it's not talked about by a lot of people who do talk about how good it is but it's the just the pure aesthetic design it's very consistent throughout the series so there's distinct ships that both sides have there's distinct uniforms that both sides have there's different haircuts that people just everything fits really into the setting there's no crazy anime kind of stuff yet everyone really looks unique so i think that despite its age if you look at the series as a whole it's its design still holds out pretty well nice yeah and yeah, sort of on that topic, um, uh, I don't really know much about the production of this show, but do you guys have any insights about what you can say about like how the show was made and who made it and all that stuff? Um, it was made by Artland, who was a small studio at the time, where basically this it was an OVA series that would come out <laughs> probably on uh, VHS or Laserdisc. So. VHS, yep. Every month, yeah. Can, can you like imagine? one like one twenty four ep- minute episode every month? Yep. yep. Wow. That's that's why it's from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety seven. You want devotion oh. to an anime? Wait every <laughs> month for that VHS to come in. That and fifty dollar tape. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. What's also interesting as well um, is that Legend of Galactic Heroes is super popular in Japan. Like the books themselves are some of the, they're oftentimes hailed as the greatest science fiction uh, series in Japan. And it's even popular outside of normal anime community. So for a lot of people at the time, if you're watching the anime, you most likely have already read the book. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and this is a huge warning to people who have never seen the show. As soon as the end song is over, turn it off. Do not listen to the narrator. He will spoil some. <laughs> because a lot of it was aimed at, you know, people who had already read the book or there's also manga at the time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people already knew generally what would happen. So it's like, oh, here's this big episode coming up. And hey, the narrator just spoiled it for everyone who hasn't seen it. I think that that extra detail about it being a successful book series, again, sort of, uh, sort of, um, uh, buttons in that Game of Thrones comparison pretty well, it seems. Yeah, I was thinking of that too. Yeah. I did a uh, little side tangent. I looked to see what Arland has produced. Uh, they have a very interesting background. On top of doing the original Legend of the Galactic Heroes, they worked on Mushishi. Nice. Good show. Yeah. <laughs> they worked on Madcross. Yeah, I, oh, thought, okay. I thought I remember hearing that. I could swear it was Macross. Yeah, they, they worked on the Do You Remember Love movie. Yeah. Ooh. Which is really good. Movie I gotta watch. Same here. Sorry. You guys. We're gonna do a podcast on Do You Remember Love. Oh, please. <laughs> that would be great. Yep. Uh, and those are the most memorable um, productions that they've been a part of, but... Yeah, they're, they have a very distinctive background. So as to my question, uh, you talked about this series running, you know, 10 years from the late 80s to the late 90s. 
uh, is one yeah. studio Artland. So how how does the quality of the series differ? Does the art style change, or is it fairly consistent even with the difference in technology, and you know just the decade? I would argue it's very consistent. Like I don't I throughout my entire watch of the series, I didn't see really anything that was a drastic change, uh, excluding maybe the end of, uh, where they maybe they changed the hair a little bit or the color palette isn't as um is a, is a bit lighter in the lighting uh but otherwise like character design and the ship battles and just the animation quality is pretty uh pretty consistent throughout the entire run yeah, uh, there's there's a few uh, episodes at the beginning where you can definitely tell it's of poor quality and whatnot, um, but it's it's few and far between, as well as um, it generally stays consistent. There's um, a few scenes, like Bill said, where there's different, uh, like slightly different design, but it's really not that bad. It's pretty surprising how consistent it is over 10 years, and the art style really doesn't change. Cool. Yeah, that is really surprising. I, I think that was just probably them wanting to be faithful to the uh, to the to the text, and probably also by sticking with one design concurrently, that also saves on time since they they're doing monthly OV, OVAs. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one less thing that we have to worry about. Yeah. So you mentioned that it it came out in the like the Japanese um, economic bubble era, and it and it went through the burst as well. Um, so did did the production schedule change at all? Were there like long delays or anything like that? From what I've read, I don't think I've uh, heard of any major production issues. Um, I think it was generally pretty successful, um, just because of how many people were fans. I looked it up. The original series of books sold over 15 million copies in Japan alone. Wow. So it was really popular, and it still remains popular. I mean, um, there's been cafes uh, made after the series. There's been plays. There's, uh, like, dozens of video games that only came out in Japan. So it's a massive series. Yeah, that's 15, 000, or 15 million more copies than the Xbox One sold in Japan. <laughs> 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 you know, but I think to answer Austin's question as well, I think when we talk about like the, like the burst, that bubble popping in the early 90s, uh, we see a lot of those individual weird OVAs just stop being produced. But it sounds like Legend of the Galactic Heroes is already, you know, this Game of Thrones popular franchise. So I can see that it really wouldn't affect it all that much. That's fair. That's, yeah, you're probably right. It's already really established. I can't see them really wanting to really stop it. Yeah, I am kind of amazed that it still was a monthly release year after year. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I think that also kept it going was probably people at that point had already been buying individual tape. And so they probably thought, well, I've, I've gone this far. I might as well keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One unfortunate thing is that because it's uh, so popular in Japan and pretty much unknown here in the U.S., uh, if you really want to dig in and try to learn more about it, it's the Japanese language barrier is a huge thing just because so much of the knowledge and a lot of the, you know, uh, excitement and all that about it is all in Japanese. Mm-hmm. 
seems like that's kind that's kind of shifting, but it's only been within like very very recent times because um, the the series is finally available legitimately um, through High Dive, and the new series has sort of sparked a I guess a a renewed interest in the property um, amongst uh, Western fans. But I'm sure it's uh, like clearly you know worlds away from the way it is in Japan. And is this uh, where we talk about the box set? <laughs> as Ryan mentioned, Let's uh, Neglect the Cures is very popular in Japan, but not so much here in the West. So for the longest time, it was Let's Neglect the Cures was pretty much one of the white whales when it came to licensing. It was just something that fans have talked about wanting to come over here, but it hasn't due to its sheer volume of episodes, its age, and probably because it's so popular, it's expensive license. <laughs> um, but bef- So as uh, Austin mentioned, uh, uh, since I film works, out of nowhere in, I think, 2013, 2014, announced they had acquired the license to Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which made Ryan and I probably jump for joy. (laughs) Uh, And then nothing for years. And then then nothing for two years. The only real news that came out uh, was that um, Viz, Viz Media, under their book label, were publishing the novels, which were coming out uh, while we were waiting for uh, Sentai to release the series. from what I've read of reviews of the English release of the books, the translation is not that great. Sadly. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunately having read a little bit of the first book, the biggest problem is that they sometimes take some terms literally. If you kind of read through and understand that it's, uh, you know, originally coming from Japanese and it's not the best translation, it's legible and it's, uh, it's enjoyable. But it's definitely different from the book, uh, from the um, OVA. So I'd recommend OVA if you're coming from a storytelling perspective. Mm. And how many books are there? Sorry, I don't mean to keep, you know, because I know you want to move on to something else. But yeah, there what, are the book? yeah. 10 books. Okay. And that's the whole thing? Are there like spinoff yep. books or anything else? Uh, there is not any spinoff book. However, there is a spinoff OVA, actually, that is another additional... Uh, 50 episodes, and that's uh, the Spiral Labyrinth and the um, 100 Billion Stars, 100 Billion Lights. I have it right in front of me, so that's how I can remember. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, who wrote it, and it, did he write anything else, or is this kind of like his big like thing? He did a, a lot of, uh, I think one, he, yeah, he did a Arslan, uh, the Heroic Legend of Arslan, which I know oh, has okay. become pretty popular. And wow. I watched the uh, recent one, and it was pretty good. Cool. And what was his name? Ooh, I'm going to look that up. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is how she started doing it. <laughs> uh, Tanaka Yoshiki. Gotcha. Yeah. And unlike George R.R. R. Martin, his book actually came out. <laughs> <laughs> Bill yeah, is, he still, is he still around? Yeah, he's still around. Uh, he's a um, he has a doctorate in uh, the Japanese language as well as history, and uh, 
So that's where a lot of the stuff comes from. Like a lot of the stuff really harkens back to Chinese history. Uh, and that's just because uh, this guy is literally, he's written a lot of uh, Chinese history books and whatnot. Big freaking nerd. Yep. Like I, I, I think Ryan, you, you and I have talked about where basically it seems he modeled Reinhardt after Alexander the Great, and he modeled uh, a young Wang off the uh, who's the author of The Art of War? Tao Sun or Sun Tzu? Yes, thank you. I think that's right. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Uh, but um, getting back to the to the actual release, just recently Sendai says, "Hey guys, we're finally releasing Legend of Galactic Heroes on Blu-ray. Hooray! That's fantastic news. You're going to get a very special collector's edition with all the episodes with really nice packaging. It's going to be really good. But here's the monkey's paw of it." We're doing a very limited print run <laughs> where I think they said we're only doing 800. Yeah, a thousand uh, copies. Like a thousand? Yep, yeah, a thousand copies. Something very small, yeah. So, very small, and each box is going to cost around 800 to $900. Woof. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was probably... Uh, that ruined my day when I saw that. <laughs> so, how many, so how many copies are you buying, Ryan? I'm investing my whole 401k into it. <laughs> Excellent. You know, just go ahead and buy all, all of them. Uh, I, I imagine when, the, when eventually all the copies have been sold, it's going to go for thousands of dollars on the secondhand market. Oh, my gosh. Uh, sadly. Oh, it's a beautiful series too. They have like uh, these coins and like a whole 200 page uh, art book and all these other cool things. But it's legit a lot of really cool stuff. But who's got eight hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, it, it it's dis it's really frustrating for me because in the anime fandom, it's very much a collector's. Uh, the very much a collector's fandom where people still really like physical media. Uh, and so I, I think that'll hurt people wanting to check it out. And while it's on high dive, I don't know how at this point compared to Crunchyroll or, or Verve slash Funimation's own service. It seems like it's been doing gradually better. Like they've improved the service a lot since they first launched it and, uh, you know, you know, getting the word out there for it. And, and I think having a lot of those like classic exclusive titles, like they just got up some very early Yoshiyuki Tomino stuff. Who's the guy that sort of that invented a uh, mobile suit Gundam. They've got a lot of his old stuff on there and they've got heroes on there. So they're carving out their own little niche for themselves, but I kind of branded about high dive in the last episode. So if you want to hear that, go listen to that one. Mm. Well, that's good. Um, I've watched some of the episodes on the High Dive service. Overall, it's pretty good, though there's one major issue with it. Uh, when Sentai Filmworks got the Masters, um, they didn't get the actual genuine Masters. They got a copy of the Masters, and the copy that they received doesn't have the subtext where all the names are produced on the screen so like let's say 
uh, Yang Wang comes on the screen, his name and title and his rank would come up. Not in the Masters that that Sentai Filmworks got. Uh. Which is very frustrating. And from what I've heard, they went back to the original licensor saying, hey, we have this problem. Um, is there anything you could do on your end? And they said, well, we did our part. And just basically shut that down. Yeah. It makes me think of the Funimation release of uh, you know Shin Godzilla just in the past year where all of the Anno-esque titles just were missing in the American release. I think that that was a, just a bad decision on Funimation's part because the Region 2 edition that I think was released by Anime Limited, I don't, okay. I don't know exactly, um, or maybe Manga UK, but theirs had the, the Anno um, title cards on it. They just subtitled it at the bottom like they did with the release of the, like the Ava DVDs and all that stuff. Right. It just seems like, so, the, like the, those, those both in, both in the, uh, in Shin Godzilla and here, it seems like there's such a large part, you know, the enjoyment to this and part of the, you know, the art of the show itself. It just kind of like blows me away that they would just ignore it altogether. Well, I, I think this, this would probably go into a larger discussion, but Japan overall probably does not see the United States market as important. They just want to stay insular and stay within their direct market uh, if they probably could just if if they weren't earning as much money as they were from licensors like funny or sentai they probably wouldn't uh be willing to put up with it because um early contracts that i've read from companies like adv they it was highway robbery what (laughs) what the licensors were getting paid (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think I think the general attitude of uh, you know of, of the, the of Japan not caring about the overseas market, I think that's that's going away gradually. But I I have heard a lot of horror stories about you know kind of like what you said where uh, the Japanese company gave the masters, they said well these aren't good enough. And they're like well sorry this is what you paid for so that's what you get deal with it. Yeah, where it's pretty much uh, <laughs> like in you you have to be Indiana Jones. Or uh, a master when it comes to editing. Like I've heard horror stories from Justin Savekas, who's uh, authors Blu-rays and DVDs, and it's just he says it's it's a lot of uh, <laughs> Rube Goldberg science at work, just to yeah. trying to get what people what people want. And it's funny you mention that because he uh, ANN did a series a while back where they had a couple. They were all supposed to be anonymous, uh, like. Uh, you know, people in the industry writing anonymous horror stories. But there was one that was pretty obviously, you know, Savakas writing about trying to, like, the localization for the, I think it was the Kadocha dub, like the Child Child's Toy dub from way back in the day. And he never really talks, like, says it by name and never really, you know, flat out admits that it's him. But it's it's a really, it's a really great read if you're into hearing those kind of horror stories. So you said it was the localization <laughs> of the dub? Uh, sorry, it was the localization of the Kadocha, just the, like the 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 bringing over of the series as a whole. Like, oh, okay, trying gotcha. to work to get the original material. There was like a mascot character from Kadocha that they wanted to really push as the next, you know, the next big mascot. But like they had a little run of like little figures that were turned out to be horrible, and it was oh, just no. it, it's a really great read. Uh, I think it's like two years old at this point, so you might have to dig to find it. But it kind of reminds me of of hearing these stories about the you know, the Japanese companies just not really caring. 
just giving mm-hmm. us giving these American companies like the bare minimum for what they paid for. Yeah. yeah but like you said, it it seems like that that tide is shifting, especially with maybe some of the newer, younger sort of people working in anime. They're seeing that anime is sort of like a worldwide medium at this point. So they they either you know embrace that or suffer. <laughs> and it's also I think just the more ubiquitous use of streaming has just made it easier uh, where basically is you have everything on a computer uh, and an internet connection you can just get the money send it um, to the licensor's way and there you go did you want to mention why there's no there's going to be no dub for the original Legend of Galactic Heroes um from from what I read uh, they didn't they didn't really give an answer. I thought mostly it was because of cost. It would be ridiculously expensive. There's I, so many characters. Yeah, I heard that the the more technical, the more difficult reason is because apparently there is no music and effects track that exists for that show. They just have the one audio track that has the voices, the music, and the sound effects all on one thing. And if you don't have those things separated out, you physically cannot create a dub without completely redesigning the entire audio scape of the show. So they would have to redo all the sound effects, they'd have to redo all the music, they would have to do everything over again if they wanted to make a dub. And that would just be way, way just impossible. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, so we will never get a dub of that show unless like somebody somewhere finds like a music and effects track of Legend of the Galactic Heroes that's like propping up their wobbly desk chair or something in some anime office somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think the only way a dub could happen for the original series would be if Sentai Filmworks said, hey, we're doing a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo where they basically spell it out like like what you said and said, like, we want to create a dub to give this show a bigger audience because I think a dub would really help the original show uh, uh, get a bigger audience to in the mainstream anime community um but just because of cost um i think uh, crowdfunding would be the only way to go and we only need a modest 10 million dollars <laughs> hey man if a thousand people are willing to shell out 800 dollars for a box set yeah <laughs> you're almost there <laughs> yeah i don't unfortunately i don't really see it happening uh however i can say after just watching the preview for it uh the english dub of the uh relaunched uh, production ig um remake of the uh series seems to be pretty pretty spot on i haven't yeah. seen it yet so i can't speak to it but well i i guess but uh unless tobias or austin if you have any other questions about the original um... I'm an ignorant fool, and I'm going to remain ignorant. So I have I have one question, and it's become kind of a meme and uh, with the people that I follow here. So there's a character whose name is spelled K-I-R-C-H-E-I-S, and I want to go in order here, and I want you guys to tell me how you pronounce that. So Austin, how would you pronounce that name? Can you type that in the Discord chat? Yeah, we'll do that there. Okay, because I, I want to read it with my eyeballs. Yeah. That makes sense. How do you? So I want to go in order here because I I feel like some of you are are better at German than than some. <laughs> but Austin, how would you pronounce that name? 
Okay, do you want the serious pronunciation or what I wish it was pronounced Give like? Give me the most hilarious thing you can. Uh, Kerchies. Kerchies. <laughs> Kerchies. That's funny. Uh, Bill, how about yourself? Well, the way they say it in the show, it, it, they say, Kirkies. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, Ryan? Uh, Kirkies. Kirkies. That's funny. So if, if we're going with like the German, and that's the idea that you're saying that the Empire is more German, it, it should be like Kirsch? Kirsch? Kirchies? Like the CH Kirchies. would be more of an SH. Yeah, it's very it's very much a German name, so it's just like Kirchies. Yeah, if if you get bothered by uh, Japanese people brutalizing the German language, Legend of Black Cure is a great is a great anime for that. Well, this is a good <laughs> podcast, guys, but I'm gonna check you later. <laughs> <laughs> they, they also, um, oh gosh, they, what was it? Uh, go ahead, Bill. I'm I'm having another thought. I'll grab it. They they also do really good job at pronouncing. Um, American sounding uh, names like this this one female character Jessica Edwards where they actually say it in that English uh, pronunciation of whenever uh, a, an anime cast says English words which just makes me laugh whenever there's an English name so if any of you guys watched uh, this is just a really brief side tangent but uh, in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn the main character his name is spelled like I'll spell it out in the pot in the uh, Discord chat, but it's 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 uh, spelled out like Boniger, like like that. Um, like the composer? I I don't I don't know. Is that a composer? I don't know. This is a Yoshiyuki Tomino name, and he's weird. But um, they pronounce it in I think they pronounce it in the English dub like Boniger, but in the Japanese version they say Banaji. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a tell me no name, all right. <laughs> all right. Anyway, just never mind. Side tangent for sure. Hey, well, I, I think right now, since we're in the midst of Tangent Town, we should probably uh, move on to the new series, the revival series of Legend of Galactic reboot of Legend of Galactic Heroes. pronouncing the sub name uh legend of the galactic heroes every time i i read it i think of this the sideshow bart uh sideshow bob tattoo divey die the the <laughs> nui the nui thesi <laughs> no 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 yeah. it's, I, I can't i can't actually put that on the podcast the the actual german would be the noia tese uh thank you tobias uh from uh Ryan, since you're probably the biggest fan of Heroes here, what is your take on the new series so far? I was really apprehensive at first, especially when the uh, first character designs started coming out. Uh, wasn't really a big fan of the redesigns to being more fit in line with modern anime. Um, but 
now that we're up to episode four of the show, I have to say that it's it's already up there in terms of me liking not as much as the original OVA, just because there's a lot more detail in the original OVA. But for the main series, uh, for the reboot series, it's been pretty great. Uh, the CGI that they use is fantastic. Uh, the battles are fast. Um, there's a lot of action going on. I actually would say that they're better than the original in that regard. Uh, the latest two episodes have a lot of backstory and stuff and honestly kind of looking back at it there's a few elements from the OVA that aren't in it but there's stuff that um, is it's more of a direct uh, play on the original book it's much more close to that yeah from because I am completely caught up the one thing I'll give the new series is their pacing is much better because it feels to me like they took bits and pieces of like here's some stuff from the prequel series and here's a bit from the um, in-universe documentary episodes that we did and we grabbed those two bits and put them into the new series and that way we're giving introductions to the universe and also a better, a quicker introduction to our main characters of Reinhardt and, uh, and Young Wei. Uh, and overall, I, I agree with all of your viewpoints, uh, Ryan. I think the CG for the for the battle scenes are fantastic. They're a marvel to look at. They're, I would say um, they're definitely better than the original show. Um, my one gripe that I I'm, I'm still struggling to get past is the new character designs. Why does Japan have to make everyone look like they're 20 or below? I, like, even uh, a character like Meerkats, who is this older general within the Legend of Galactic Heroes universe, he looks like, even though he has gray hair, he's probably, when you say old, he's 30. Yeah, with <laughs> his new design, it's, it's, oh, he has a little wrinkle here. Yeah, and I just the the thing that bugs me is just the the new character designs. They all look samey to me. Whereas each character in the original series had a distinctive look, um, which I, I, I miss, and uh, it's just a bummer for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's that's probably the uh, to me a negative thing. I think someone coming in uh, who hasn't seen it. Um, they're, I wouldn't say they're too bad. Uh, they're a little bit generic, especially uh, Reinhard and uh, Kierkegaard. Um, they both have pretty similar designs. Their hair color is really the only thing that separates it. Um, but yeah, that's and also there's some par- characters who haven't show- been shown yet that you've already seen their redesign and they completely change like the whole kind of kind of uh, look and feel of the character, but. So far, um, beyond uh, that, it's really great. Yeah, I, uh, and I guess one, uh, my last point is um, one common thing that's throughout the classic series is they use classical music pieces from um, well-known composers that gives it a distinctive feel and kind of a grand uh, epic uh, when you're engaged with the battles. In the new series, they sadly don't have that. <laughs> Which, yeah, that that's. I'm glad you brought that up. That's another thing that's uh, really a shame. Just the music 
is pretty forgettable. The opening is pretty good. I like I've grown to like it. Um, but usually I after I've seen an episode, I don't really reflect on any of the music. Whereas in the original OVA, they actually like time like different it, it goes so into it that there'll be like volleys by a whole armada of ships to like this classical music. And it has this really epic and just grandiose kind of feel to it, which is, I think is kind of missing. Yeah. that they don't just play like ride of the Valkyries or, um, very, or moonlight, moonlight Sonata. They do the whole gamut of classical music that sent me down a YouTube rabbit hole just looking and hearing about and wanting to hear these classical pieces. Um, just a little short note about the new music. The, uh, the opening theme is composed by Hiroyuki Sawano, who did all the music for Attack on Titan and Kill a Kill and Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. Um, and I think, I think he's also doing the music for the actual show itself, but, um, yeah, maybe it's just not some of his his best content, or ho- hopefully he's saving his really big songs for maybe later, more bombastic moments. Because he is a really fantastic composer, especially his work on Kill a Kill is like, oh my gosh. Excluding the excluding the the opening song, which I've grown accustomed to, it, it reminds me of the, uh, the openings a little bit in the original series because in the original series every song is sung in English, uh, surprisingly. And it it's uh, memorable uh, for me. I'll, I'll probably play one of the themes in some point in the episode, uh, <laughs> where uh, this also is mostly sang in English, which kind of was like, I applauded them for that nod, except I don't like that last bit where it's the choir uh, at the end, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, um, quick, uh, quick correction! Uh, quick correction to what I just said. Um, Sawano's doing the opening, but it's a different composer who's doing the actual music in the show. And um, okay. yeah, okay. he does. He doesn't have an ANN uh, page, so I, I have no idea what else he's done. It's just he. He seems uh, that he's done a lot of composing work in the past, but maybe not anything for anime. The the problem with the music within the show is it's very like the soundtrack. I would say is very silent like some the only time i notice music is if there's a battle going on and i'll 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 hear the kind of generic choir sing in the background of like okay (laughs) piano interlude yeah Mm. um it's not terrible but it's pretty forgettable yeah it's it's pretty muted um but austin you've watched at least the first two episodes of the new Mm -hmm. series what do you think about it um I mean, I think that if I did, if I didn't know anything about Legend of the Galactic Heroes, if I had never heard of it, didn't know the legacy, didn't know the the context about any of it, and I had just sort of stumbled upon this show and watched like the first two episodes, I don't really know if I would continue or if I would have really enjoyed it that much, because mm-hmm. what it what it strikes me as as a as a fan. You know, of of my age watching this show in 2018, it just strikes me as like it's like a mecha show with no robots. <laughs> and I'm like, but I like robots. <laughs> and that's like that's like my lizard brain reaction to what I saw. Um, but uh, 
And that, that probably would have been a big barrier to me, like continuing it. But knowing that it comes from this like long lineage of this very, very praised um, franchise and work, um, I'd be more inclined to like keep checking it out. And I probably would. Um, I think the characters are kind of neat, like so far, because um, I've seen a little bit of the original series and it they definitely take more time to establish other things early on. And I, I feel like the first two episodes of the new show moved like really fast. And like the real the only real perspective you get from anyone is from Yang and Reinhardt. And I think that, you know, they're interesting characters, but I think what really sells a concept is like more of the the world building and the characters around them um so i think that might be an initial turnoff for some people if they're just kind of stumbling into this for the first time but um yeah i don't know i if if i had to pick right now which one i wanted to continue with i would definitely continue with the original series even though it's really long I can also, I also want to add that like the third and fourth episode of the uh, new reboot series are pretty much entirely devoted to like the backstory and a lot of the surrounding characters. Oh, okay, so, like, cool. the very first two episodes, like, cause it just throws you into this battle and then it introduces both, you know, Reinhardt and Yang Wenli. They're very much kind of focused on getting you into like the, you know, that hook. Mm-hmm. And, and then it kind of, from at least what I can see right now, it looks like it's going to go down that more character path. I'm really interested and kind of seeing because this series only has 12 episodes and then a few movies i mean should see how they're going to do the whole story yeah definitely yeah that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out yeah i'm the one thing i'll give the news if you can get past the first two episodes which are basically the hook of like hey fans remember the battles from the original series (laughs) here's the battles we brought them back and look they're so pretty uh, <laughs> uh, I feel I would argue that while I love the original series, the pacing from what I've seen so far is better because they they're, they're much better at setting up who the characters are and their backstory. Whereas in the original series, it took a while for them to kind of explain uh, who Yang Lang was and who uh, Reinhardt was and kind of where they came from. Whereas uh, in the third and fourth episode, they really set up like who they are, their kind of philosophies and their goals. And I'm interested to see, as, as Ryan pointed out, where they're going to The show's not running that long, and I, you, there's going to be a loss of detail, sadly, but that, that's what you get with just a, a short run time of episodes. Well, I've also heard that the first twelve episodes, and then the and then three movies. That's only going to cover the first season of the uh, original OVA. So there'll still be like three fourths of the rest of the show to get through. I don't think they're going to rush through the whole thing in twelve episodes and three movies. Do you, Do you think they'll just if it does well in Japan that they will continue to do like this kind of mode of like okay we did the first season, thirteen episodes and three movies, and now we're going to do another 13 episodes three movies yeah i think i think that would make sense um i I can't really see any of like the japanese reactions but i imagine that uh, any kind of reboot of a series as big big as original one was would get that full treatment and bill if you want to watch the reboot series where can you watch it you can watch it on sentai filmworks streaming service high dive no no it's just the new series 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, the new series. Yeah. You can you can watch it on Crunchyroll. Yeah, you can watch it on Crunchyroll. Um, it comes out every Tuesday here. Uh, yep. So, uh, if you're interested in Legend of Heroes, I highly recommend the new series. I good end point to the show, and if you're interested, just um, go on to High Dive and watch the original series. I think at this point they've got all of the original like OVA up, but I don't know if they've got any of the movies or the other stuff. I don't know. They have the all the episodes from the original series, and they have prequel OVA, uh, which is 52 episodes that takes place uh, in uh, when Reinhardt and uh, Young Ling were at uh, their respective academies, kind of in their early days in the military. Gotcha. Cool. I don't not... recommend them if you're a really hardcore fan. Having seen them all, because I am a hardcore fan, <coughs> <we'd>... um, <laughs> it's definitely it's more of a look into kind of the character building of you know how did they become where they are and so it, it how did they know these people before they met them in the show, um, but it's definitely uh, not as grandiose and uh, space opera like as the original series. Is it better than the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> Can you ever There's get worse no than the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> no I was about to say. Mm, Tr- yeah. Trick question. There's nothing better than the Star Wars prequels. Nothing better? What? <laughs> you heard me. I'll just I'll just say this. They have the higher ground. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh God. Uh, got him. <laughs> Ryan, that deserves hey, a slow clap. Hey, hey, Ryan, that was a sick burn. Why ain't you? I guess before we close out, one last thing I, I'd like to mention is um, both for the original cast and the new series, I think the actors really have it nailed down from for the new series because in the in the original series, the voice of Young Lang is very distinctive. Like his, you can tell it's his voice right away. Um, and I feel like the new voice is a very close proximity, which which makes me happy. Um, okay. And and so far, I'm. I feel like they the new cast has the. Uh, has the spirit of the original carries uh, original characters down pretty well. Great, yeah, cool. I, I think they've really kind of gotten all the themes. I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to be approaching some of the more sensitive political topics, especially because there's a lot of stuff related to like nuclear war and all these other kind of concepts, which, like history always is, always relates to the modern day. So I'm kind of curious how uh, they'll approach that in the uh, new reboot. Is there ever going to be a part where, like, the Empire and, and Reinhardt, they have these red hats, make the Empire great again? Oh, geez. Uh, there's, there's a faction within the Empire. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's just say that there's a lot of internal uh, squabbles and there's a lot of uh, pining for the past. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Uh, I'm gonna okay. I'm going to. This is a minor spoiler. There's this cult. I'm not gonna say what side they're on, but there's this cult that pines for Earth, and that wants to get back to the way it was before of 
how we humans lived on Earth and before we traveled across space. And um, they have big plans and machinations of how they want things to go. But overall, the execution of their or, organization in the show is very poor. Like, once you get past the halfway point, like, at first they seem really interesting, but um, they get... They, they they basically become generic uh, bad guy towards the end. Like I, I expect a Doctor Claw esque. I'll get you next time. So they're they're the space tea party, right? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the uh, corrupt uh, guys who are uh, paying off their mistresses and killing. Oh, wow. perfect! You know, art art imitates life, and vice versa. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that that one uh, part of the show is pretty much that's probably the one low of it. But beyond that, there's uh, so many different factions and other characters that just kind of move along the show, and it's it's really not too bad. They just kind of come off as generic baddies, like you'd see in most animes. Gotcha. Yeah, not like terrible. They don't break the show. Mm. And I I would also say just like don't get overwhelmed by the cast because there's a a core group of people that you need to know, but most of the people you, they're really just there for maybe one or two episodes. Just like Game and, of Thrones. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Until they show up 50 episodes later and you're like, Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess to, to help people that might be considering getting into this or that might maybe want to at some point in the future, like what anime series or other things, cause we mentioned Game of Thrones a couple of times, like, what other things might people have already seen that would make them more inclined to want to enjoy uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes? I think Death Note is a really good comparison in terms of the whole antagonism rivalry kind of setup. Okay. Uh, it really has that uh, down to a T in terms of this rivalry between Yang Wenli and Reinhardt because they, 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 the show builds it up a lot. They're kind of like how much of geniuses they are and that really plays a lot of narrative just like you see in death note hmm. what do you think bill um yeah i would agree with that or um kind of the driving force in death note was between um l and and uh oh like like yeah like like yagami um where it's very similar in legend of the is where Yang and Reinhardt are always kind of looking at each other and seeing their moves and they're they're always kind of engaged with like he's doing this, I need to plan for that. And they're always just kind of looking at each other and knowing that eventually they will have the grand knockdown drag out um battle royale fight. Yeah, and also uh we mentioned it earlier, but um if you liked uh Code Geass, this is definitely showed that'd be up your alley. It's very much uh, that kind of character driven by personal motives, but also political motives and then kind of, you know, black and gray uh, motivations and uh, morality. There's just no Pizza Hut. Man, what's even the point? Yeah, well, I'm not going to watch this show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, while I'm not an expert, I would say if you're also big into Gundam, um, especially the Universal Century timeline stuff, then you probably also would be really into Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And Legend of the Galactic Heroes won't try and sell you model kits. 
<laughs> no, but they will tease you. They will tease you with really beautiful figures that I wish were not as expensive as that. Oh man, <laughs> figures and uniforms and shit models. Uh, that's I'm surprised they're selling shit models because there's really only three ships of note. <laughs> there's cells from the anime uh, that go for hundreds of dollars on eBay regularly. <sighs> Nice. Well, I think um, we've covered all the basics, unless anyone else questions or thoughts they'd like to bring up when it comes to heroes. I think I'm good. You guys have done a pretty good job at outlining it and laying it all out and being like, here's what to expect. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more informed now, and I hope that all you guys listening at home feel the same. And uh, Tobias, since you are the... Uh, newbie of the group, have are you uh, now interested in either seeing the new series or the classic series? Yeah, so like uh, like Ryan said it back in the beginning, it's a franchise that I've heard about, you know, on the internet for a long time that keeps getting mentioned as one of those things you just have to check out whenever anime recommendations get brought up. So it's always been something I'm aware of, but never really had the time, you know, the the, the really desire to get into this specifically, which is it's been kind of a shame because it sounds entirely up my alley with more focus on these these big ships and these you know these larger warship battles rather than the you know the Gundam Gundam pilots or you know the X Wing versus Tie Fighter battles from Star Wars. So I've been really wanting to check something out along these lines, but I just really haven't got around to it. Uh, and when High Dive announced that they uh, had everything there. Uh, I was interested as well, but again, just didn't really have the time doing too much other stuff to really do it. Uh, I have seen a little bit of the new series, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it and its issues that you've already, you know, uh, brought up. A lot of the the whole same face uh, characterization, character designs. So I'm actually really more interested in checking out the original, not so much the new one. If it turns out that it uh, continues to go on and people have really good things to say about it then maybe but i yeah i'm definitely more interested in actually logging into high dive and checking out the original more so than anything awesome if you do it i'd be really interested in hearing your thoughts same with you austin if you get into any more of it yeah for sure you'll be the first one i tell <laughs> you and bill both yeah well with that i think we'll go out with a uh, round of plugs if People want to follow you on social media. Where can people find you? Let's go with Austin first. Uh, as for me, uh, you can always find me on Twitter, screaming about anime um, and various other funny jokes that I come across in my brain palace. And on Twitter, you can find me at Bebop Shock, and that is Bebop as in Cowboy Bebop and Shock as in Bioshock. You were Shock. You are Shock. <laughs> uh, how about yourself Tobias likewise I spend way too much time on Twitter uh, at you know at sign reverend underscore Tobias where I'm constantly retweeting people who are funnier and more intelligent than me like me <laughs> uh, I don't recall retweeting you uh, <laughs> yeah that was a joke <laughs> totally a joke I'm not funny at all never have been never will be as long as you know it, as long as you're aware, that's that's the stepping stone into self improvement. I am the most <laughs> humble person, believe me. I would disagree. You, in my eyes, you are the king of puns. Oh, thank you, Bill. Uh, and Ryan, if 
if you were on social media, uh, on Twitter, where would people find you? What social media? Yeah. (laughs) I am a social media hermit. So besides lurking on Reddit and Facebook, I generally don't, uh, do that much. Do a lot of twer- uh, lurking on a uh, Twitter, but nothing to really publicly follow. You can hey. look me up on LinkedIn, though. Oh, nice. <laughs> can I be your social network? <laughs> Professional network. I will. Uh, I'll. Uh, I'll endorse you for skills in Legend of the Galactic Heroes trivia. I'll go to the top of my feed. Yeah, you better. So my boss will be very impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a frequent requirement on job applications. Do you have Legend of Galactic Heroes trivia knowledge? Uh, <laughs> one of these days, Bill, you think. one of these days, Bill, you're going to find that job that's going to ask you that, and they're going to hire you on the spot. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the local like, Legend of Galactic Heroes intern? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to follow me, I am on Twitter. I don't really post that much. I'm pretty much an observer. But so if you really want to see uh, my views and opinions, I would go highly recommend you to check out www.thirdimpactanime.wordpress.com where I have been writing reviews for the spring season. I've written reviews for Persona 5. Uh, I've been doing a weekly review series for Leap in the Third, Leap in the Third Part 5. Uh and I expect to do more writing. I'll probably bring a overview review of the new Legend of Galactic Heroes series when that is wrapped up. And maybe and what... you'll have the review of Redline out shortly. <laughs> yeah, you just got to talk to the editor at large and see if he can actually yeah. get off of his butt and mm. you know, take care of that. I, I don't know who that would be. We're going to have to look that up in the company directory. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, maybe I need to go to the national editor. A national editor at large. I should go to the Probably. regional editor. So, uh, just so much red tape. Oh, well, it's just part of it. <laughs> uh, well, it, uh, thank you for uh, checking out our wonderful podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on Google Play and on Podbean. Uh, give us a review on those wonderful places that also helps the show. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We also have a Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, please follow us on many platforms as you desire. And, and thank you again. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for being our special guest for this episode. We really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed talking about it with you all and uh, hope to talk about it, uh, it and other things maybe sometime. Yeah, maybe when the new series wraps up, we can have you back on and see what your final thoughts were on it. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm going to be calling you for uh, a Berserk podcast when that, oh, yeah. when that comes down the road. Ooh, I'll have to after rewatch it as horrible as that would be. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? It's like a PlayStation 3 game. Well, with that, um, we'll catch you on the flip side and on to the next episode.